0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy Podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. The Future of Pharmacy Podcast is brought to you by OmniCell. Now here's our host, Ken Perez. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy podcast. I'm Ken Perez, OmniCell Vice President of Healthcare Policy and Government Affairs, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. When you invest in technology, you expect it to contribute to better outcomes. But often, healthcare providers have been disappointed. In fact, a report from the Boston Consulting Group shows that only 30% of digital transformation projects are successful. Only 30%. Technologies have advanced so quickly and can become so complex to implement. That any potential benefit can be negated. There are, however, core foundational principles that healthcare pharmacy leaders can apply to help ensure that a new technology delivers the desired outcomes. So, joining me today to discuss this topic are two experts from Ohio Health. First, we have Charles McCluskey, System Vice President for Pharmacy Services. Charles, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to join you today, Ken. Great to have you. And we also have James Nelson, Manager of Pharmacy Informatics for Ohio Health. James, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, Ken. Charles, to get us started, please provide for our audience a brief overview of Ohio Health and the pharmacy services that you guys provide. Absolutely, Ken. So Ohio Health, the question is, who
1: are we? We are a 12-hospital health system. Corporate office is located in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we serve uh, primarily the adult patient population uh, and we cover 47 of the 88 counties uh, within the state of Ohio. Comprehensive service offerings in, in most clinical areas, 35,000 associates and volunteers work within the organization, over a half million ED visits, about 175,000 hospital admissions. We have a very large women's health area. We have nearly 13,000 births annually. And we actually are also heavily involved in research with more than 500 active uh, studies. When we transition to looking at pharmacy services, uh, we have nearly 800 pharmacy associates working in those multiple hospitals as well as multiple outpatient uh, areas. We have a comprehensive clinical program with 23 pharmacy residents spanning 13 different residency programs, over a billion dollars in gross revenue within the pharmacy space, Our teams review and verify nearly 7.5 million medication orders on an annual basis. And we dispense 11 million doses annually from the pharmacy, and that excludes the cabinet medications. We also are heavily involved in population health. Uh, We have a pharmacy uh, team in that space. That includes work where we have direct to employer programs, like disease management programs in the diabetes space. We're actively involved in our own health plan. We actively partner with HR Benefits to manage pharmacy uh, claim spend and our PBM relationship, as well as Ohio Health is involved, uh, and we have our own ACO, as well as clinically integrated network, and our
0: pharmacy team in that space helps manage uh, patient outcomes. Wow, that's quite an enterprise. James, Ohio Health has been recognized Uh, not surprisingly um, numerous times by IBM Watson Health as one of the top five large health systems in America. Uh, What are some of the recent pharmacy technology initiatives that you provide leadership for? Sure, Ken. Over the past couple of years, we've actually implemented two of the
2: latest generation central automation robots at our two largest facilities, both Grant and Riverside, as well as over four carousels. More recently, we've also implemented a perpetual inventory system We've brought up two hospitals on the EHR platform, and we've also been focusing lately on cabinet optimization, developing an operations dashboard, as well as
0: automating routine reports within the pharmacy services. That's great. So we're going to bring it up a level. Charles, let's begin with the strategic vision of a technology project. Why is having a shared strategic vision uh, essential for success? So
1: the success is really based upon uh,
0: bringing the
1: organization along. The key points here are really socializing the plan. What is the idea? Why is this a good plan? And how is this change going to positively impact the organization? Secondly, we need to gather different perspectives. These should be conversations with people in the organization on a broad basis. Engage the stakeholders, and that would be inclusive of customers, suppliers, and the executive team. They help shape the plan. And just as important as that plan begins to develop, they can help own and execute it within the organization. Think of it as building a launch pad. Everybody on the pad should know what they're doing, where they're going, why they're doing it, and how they're going to get there. Minimizing confusion allows the work to move faster and to higher levels of elevation. Ken, I'm going to give you an example. And this one occurred uh, years ago. And it had to do with a a new technology that we had implemented within the organization and it highlights areas where things didn't go well. It was the right product at the right time for our organization. But the problem was we didn't bring the team along in the conversation. It was a case where we had a small group discussions. It wasn't broadly socialized. The new technology introduced new workflow that we had not included those that were most closely uh, impacted in those conversations. So as a result, when we went live, we had to spend time at that point where we were focusing on how this is actually going to impact patient care, what we were actually trying to accomplish, getting those who were working most closely with the product, giving their input on how to actually fix the workflow. So rather than focusing on how to execute and optimize uh, the technology and moving forward, we spent the first several months doing some quote unquote cleanup and addressing those short-term issues that, that came up, all focused on trying to get everybody on that same launch pad that I referenced previously.
0: So in the shared vision phase, James, is it too soon to talk about metrics at that time? No, Ken, not at all. Really what we're trying to do is try to understand what it
2: is we want to get out of this technology. And that goes back to what Charles was talking about. And we really look at that as our North Star. It's a North Star, it could be a mission statement, we're really trying to understand what business problem this is trying to solve. From there, you work backward with the stakeholders, the sponsors, leadership, and ultimately also uh, the frontline staff to understand and assess what current state metrics are, and also what the future state could ultimately be. By tying those together, you're able to connect the messaging with the metrics, and that becomes very important not only on the implementation but also. As you continue to progress, and once workflows,
0: of course, have been solidified. So, monitoring is becoming very important. You're listening to the Future Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Paris, joined today by Charles McCluskey and James Nelson of Ohio Health. Now, Charles, many leaders use metrics to effectively communicate project progress and success. What strategies should leaders consider when developing these metrics? As James referenced just a few moments ago, it's important to to tie those metrics
1: uh, into the organization and connect those with the audience. I referenced earlier the importance of engaging a broad uh, group of stakeholders, just as James has said, the metrics should connect with the work and speak how it impacts others. And keep in mind, you have different metrics for different audiences. So the metrics that you may share with your senior executive team is more than likely different than the metrics that are actually being managed within the department themselves. The KPIs should allow the leadership to know, are we actually achieving what we set out to accomplish? And lastly, those metrics should speak for themselves. Now, when I say they should speak for themselves, I'm talking about creating metrics that require a five minute conversation about what you're actually measuring, and how you've taken some subjective measure, and you're trying to translate it into a an objective measure. That's not the metric that you want to include. Because when you, when you speak with your executive team, you want it to just resonate immediately. How that team connects with it is really important. The other thing that I would quickly touch on is you don't have to be the expert in this space. Leverage your partners. So as you, as you work with a technology company, find out from them. What are the metrics that they've seen that work well? What are other health systems doing? And that should be included as you evaluate
0: the metrics that you want to land on. Good counsel, Charles. Thank you so much for that. So James, as a project leader, what's your approach to metrics development for a new technology project?
2: Well, one of the first things you have to understand is where your current state is, what your baseline is. And that's usually interviewing the stakeholders, the customers to understand what reports, what metrics we're currently using. And from there, you go ahead and scrutinize it. You know, what are the metrics used for? What is the purpose? Are they qualitative? Are they quantitative? And in addition to what the current state reports are and metrics are, you want to piggyback off of what the vendor is bringing to the table and what capabilities they have. As Charles had mentioned, they're the experts in that that technology. And so it becomes very important to understand what metrics and what reports are available out of the box. And then from there, with the two lists, you're able to crosswalk them and really understand what it is, which ones you need to focus on. And sometimes there's a prioritization associated with it. So some you need to have during the implementation, others, it becomes very important to have those that are being reported out routinely. And then also you need to make sure that the methodologies and the assumptions that are underlying of the reports and metrics are sound and are aligned with what the previous state were. And that becomes really important because the way that Ohio Health, for example, would value their inventory would be vastly different than our perpetual inventory. And so it's not as if you could say to the finance, this is our value of inventory, when in fact it is not because the calculations that are behind the metrics are vastly different. And so that goes back to the shared vision of whether or not you wanted to have an accurate valuation real time in something as simple as a
0: perpetual inventory system. Thanks, James, for that practical advice. Very helpful. So Charles, as the pharmacy leader for the health system, you have the responsibility of communicating to the health system leadership the progress and success of your projects. So how do you use metrics to accomplish that? So the C-suite and the senior executive
1: team, they are a resource that should be leveraged in the overall success. So when communicating and working with this team, you should have clear communication on the progress of the work. It should be very concise and, and provide a clear understanding of where are you today and where do you anticipate that you will end. Call out gaps. If the project is not performing as scheduled, Call out those gaps. As the chief pharmacy officer, the organization looks to you to actually own the business. Similar as James just said, you know, work with the, the vendors and have them help own some of these uh, pieces and parts. The organization is actually looking at the chief pharmacy officer to own their business. That doesn't mean that you actually have to solve every problem, but there will be times that the chief pharmacy officer will and should lean into conversations with the C-suite when help is needed. There's times when you, you need the help to get the project back on track. Those metrics help set the stage where you are and where you need to be. It might highlight barriers, or it may help reset the expectations within the organization.
0: Thanks for that. James, you mentioned earlier that success of any technology project is largely about successful adoption. How have you used metrics to measure adoption?
2: So one of my favorites is actually a survey that I send out to the users post-implementation. And one of the things that we focus on are feelings, as well as how are the operations going? How is the workflow working for you? And it's anonymous and it becomes very objective. And so we're able to kind of key in on that. We're also able to tie into that shared vision that Charles had talked about earlier. So, you know, do they understand fully why they're actually doing this adoption of this new process or this new technology? But then we also focus on trying to gauge how the end users, the frontline staff is feeling about the technology. And what I mean by that is how accurate, for example, do we believe the numbers that are coming out of the system are, and we're able to actually layer that over against the actual accuracy that we're able to get from the systems. So for example, I'll, I'll go back to my perpetual inventory example, where we asked just that how accurate, how confident are you in the counts of the perpetual inventory system? And, you know, we were seeing things 50, 60%. And when we looked at the data, we realized that it was actually 70 or 80%. So that actually provided two things for us, gave us insight into an opportunity for education with the frontline staff, but it also showed that we were actually doing a lot better than what we were typically feeling. And that actually came from a restart of the project where we kind of struggled early on and were able to get back on track due in large part to what Charles described earlier, where he was able to articulate the need for additional support to his leadership. So, you know, I I really believe that having the quantitative data and KPIs are important, but also really objectively measuring the satisfaction and the understanding of the why behind the project with the frontline staff, the ones that are engaging with it on a daily
0: basis. Great example. So Charles, what you and James have been sharing is all, I would say, solid, practical advice. But even following each of these principles the key principles we've been discussing, any project, as you know, can go sideways. So should that happen, what do you do? It's a great question, Ken.
1: And I had started touching on this earlier in my comments when we were talking about the C-suite, but there's definitely more to the story here. Any project has the potential to go sideways. And it's the leader's responsibility to be proactively monitoring using those KPIs that James just talked about. That is what is gonna be the early indicators that there's a potential problem and the leader should be prepared to quickly take action. Now, not all issues require the same corrective action. You know, some will be resolved within a small project team while others require escalation within the health system. If I were to use an example, and, and I wanna use an example where you know things didn't go as planned because uh, I think that people learn uh, more from some of those examples. I was leading an initiative and to say it went sideways would be probably an understatement. Uh, but it did, and you know, I leaned into the work, pulled in a small group of people to to lean into the work further. But the problems just continued, just to, to despite my uh, my best effort. Ultimately, I ended up having to, to pull in the senior executive team and had to engage them in the conversation. And the best advice that I got from that experience was: the bigger the problem, the bigger the spotlight. Leaders have a tendency to want to hide the things that aren't going well. And the leader isn't measured if they have challenges or not. We all have challenges. The true measure is, you know, how they respond to the situation. And that response may require others and sometimes a really large team. And so the leader should feel comfortable using those metrics and having the conversations and pulling in the right people in order to get the project back on track.
2: So James, is there anything you'd like to add? I do, Ken. One thing that I want to make sure that the audience really understands if they get anything from this podcast is that they really need to partner with their technology partner. And what I mean by that is you're typically bringing in a new technology because of its new capabilities. And you may understand what those capabilities are, but you don't necessarily understand the nuances behind what the technology does and how things are generated behind the scenes that ultimately create the data that you are ultimately consuming. And so relying on those subject matter experts within your vendor resources becomes incredibly important. They know how it's designed. They also know how other customers use it. The joke that I like to say is Ohio health is very special, but we're not necessarily unique. There are other multi-hospital facilities throughout the country that have the same business problems that we do. And so for us to necessarily think that we have the silver bullet doesn't necessarily resonate. And it becomes very important to know that the vendors, of course, may have a much better insight on how this does and what doesn't work. And so they can help guide you around some of the pitfalls that you may mistakenly fall in by yourself. And so in addition, they also know what's coming down on the product roadmap. And so they can prevent you from painting yourself in a corner where you dedicate a lot of time and energy and resources in in something that is very customized, but only to have it come out in the the next release. And so a strong vendor partnership would, of course, inform you of that and perhaps provide a stopgap measure until the next release where you're able to consume
0: the end product. Thanks for those insights. Those are great. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our expert guests from Ohio Health Charles McCluskey, System Vice President for Pharmacy Services, and James Nelson, Manager of Pharmacy Informatics. I want to thank them not only for their good information and wise counsel, but also their really refreshing candor about the challenges they've faced and all the experiences they've had at Ohio Health. And I'd like to thank you, our audience, for joining us today. For the Future of Pharmacy podcast and for OmniCell, I'm Ken Perez. Thanks for listening. This has been the Future of Pharmacy podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. Until next time, don't get stuck in the clouds. The Future of Pharmacy podcast is brought to you by OmniCell.